Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Very warm welcome to Headliner Radio. Today I'm joined by renowned Nashville producer and songwriter Keith Thomas, who ended 2022 and indeed has started 2023 with a bit of a bang. Keith, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, man. It's um, it's a real pleasure to be to be catching up. Um, where are you joining us from today, Keith? And uh, what have you been up to so far this week? Well, I am currently commuting from Birmingham, Alabama. I um, ended up selling my uh, home in Nashville uh, back in August, okay. and we're we're yeah. My wife's family is here in Birmingham. And uh, she's in heaven, but I'm like having to commute back and forth. So we're we're trying to find another alternative, actually, to buy another place back there in Nashville, because that's where my, I've been in Nashville since 1979. So that's home for me. Yeah. And uh, so you know, we're currently actually headed there tomorrow. But um, you know, it's it's just I thought I could make it work from here, and and I probably could, but I just I'm, I'm missing Franklin, Tennessee. You know, <laughs> it's home. Yeah. Fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we talk about uh, your more recent projects, Keith, I'd, I'd like to talk, if you wouldn't mind, about uh, your musical origins and, and maybe some of the, the highlights of your career so far. Um, I know you've worked with a bunch of artists in your time, Keith, and, and anyone listening um, can go check out some of Keith's credits. But wh- when was the turning point for you, uh, you know, when you realised that this was what you wanted to do as a professional career? And, and I guess the point when, when things started to, um, to pick up traction for you? Well, you know, I was born into a musical family, and I say that my dad was a hillbilly musician. He was born um, Conyers, Georgia, and that's where I was born. But he um, used to play with a group called the Sons of the Pioneers and Pop Eckler and those old hillbilly musicians back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, mom and dad had me late in life. I think mom was 44 or 45 when she had me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, uh, two brothers that were like 25 years difference between my sister, who is four years older than I am. So anyway, we had two sets of families. We had two families by the same parents. Sure. But my dad, my dad's dream was to to make it in the music business. And so he's in the Georgia Country Music Hall of Fame for yodeling. But uh, nice. he always yeah, he wanted me to move to Nashville. So as a, as a as a kid, you know, I started playing guitar six or seven years old. You know, I, it was so big, I had to you just have the, the neck in my lap playing the guitar. <laughs> but we lived across the street from the church. So we were in church every time the doors were open. And that's where I started learning to play. And I then I started playing piano when I was 16. But up until that time, we had a little family group called the Thomas family. And so I made my first record when I was nine mm-hmm. and the second one when I was 13. And I, I think, you know, I, I tell everybody that at 13, that's my first production, but because I was a little 13 year old brat running around telling everybody what to play. And I can only imagine what they thought at the time. <laughs> um, so, but my dad, you know, my dad wanted me to move to Nashville. Yeah. Cause that was his, that was really his dream. Yeah. So after experimenting with theater, I had a scholarship to go act uh, in New York. And, you know, he kind of squashed that because I went to a situation that he didn't approve of. And um, so he said, you're not going to New York. So that was the end of my acting career. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I went on the road with the Christian band on Word Records for four years, almost four years. Mm-hmm. As a, I started out as a drummer yeah. for them, and then I went over to keyboards and because uh, growing up, I had, I, and I don't even know how I did this, but my or my dad did this. I had 
every instrument that I needed at my disposal. And we were dirt poor. I mean, I didn't have an inside bathroom or hot running water until I was 13. So, you know, I'd have to walk the trail to go to the bathroom. Uh, mom, every Saturday, would have we had this galvanized tub next to the sink, and she would boil water pour in there, and that's how I'd take a bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I have such fond memories of that, though, because that's, you know, my, I never doubted that my mom and dad loved me. They just didn't have a lot of money. So uh, after I went on the road with this, this Christian band, I, I wrote my first song called Song for the Heart. And that was the title of their debut album on Word Records. And so I go, wait a minute, I think I can do this. So I started, you know, started writing more. And then I wrote a song that I thought sounded like Ronnie Millsap. And um, I'd gotten off the road at this time. And I go, I, I saw that Ronnie was playing in Atlanta. And, um, and so I called the venue. This would never happen today. But I, I, I called the venue at the time. And I actually got his brother-in-law on the phone. And he said, yes, yeah, send, send a song up to Rob Galbraith in Nashville. And so I sent two songs, that I, like vocal demos on my little Fender Rhodes, <laughs> and forgot about it. So about three months later, I'm at mom and dad's house. And I get this call from Rob. And he said, I, I titled it Brian Keith Thomas, you know. And uh, he said, Brian, this is Rob from Ronnie Millsap's office. He says, I love these two songs. He said, I have to tell you, I threw your cassette in the trash, but something made me take it out and listen to it. And we're, oh, wow. So he listened to it. I love these songs. Would you come to Nashville and do the demos? And I said, of course. So that weekend, I'm in Nashville doing that. And while I was in Nashville, he said, we're starting a publishing company. Would you be Ronnie's first staff writer? Oh, wow. And I'm going, duh. Yeah. So that's how I got to Nashville. Ronnie moved me here. And I wrote for him for about a year and a half, and um, and he offered me the opportunity, the opportunity at the time to go on the road with him, play keyboards, and and he would give me twenty minutes in front of him. And my wife had just we just had our first child, and I felt bad just moving to Nashville and leaving her, so I passed on that. And um, and then a year and a half later, I went over to Word Records. And another thing about Ronnie. I cannot say enough about Ronnie and Rob because they changed my life. They really did. And I'm forever grateful. And, and uh, Rob and I, uh, even after all these years, have become such good friends and close friends. I'd take a bullet for him. But they gave me the studio when Ronnie was on the road. I could be in the studio producing 24-7. And this is this back in the day was Ground Star Laboratory, and it was like the place to work. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough that I could go in there and spend 12, 14, 15 hours a day just like doing my thing, doing demos. And yeah. so that's where I learned to produce. So uh, after going to Word, I, I signed to Word as a staff writer and producer. I was there about six years and ended up, um, I think it was a little over 21 number one records when I was there. Mm-hmm. But um, moving on, I, I decided I wanted to be in the pop music. And that's that's a hard transition from Christian to pop. Yeah. So I had been working with Amy Grant. I worked on her Leave Me On album yes. uh, as, a, as a programmer. And uh, we became really good friends. And uh, I'd written this thing called Baby Baby. And I said, hey, I got this idea. I want to run by it. And so I played it for her. She loved it. She took it and finished it, you know, and that became the song that actually mm. launched my pop career. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was that sorry was so long winded. No, no, that, <laughs> that, that answer. <laughs> it leads me quite nicely onto what was going to be my next question, Keith. I, I was going to yeah. say, um, tell us about your relationship with Amy because, like you said, you've you've produced and, and co-written many many songs with her. Um, she recently received the. Uh, pretty prestigious Kennedy Center Honor Award, um, and you were there to see her receive that. Um, uh, yeah. I, I was going to ask, yeah, you know, how, how special a moment was that for you personally, you know, having established such a close friendship and, and working relationship with her over the years? Oh, uh, well, 
you know, I, I, she's like my sister. I have to say, I love this woman. Um, uh, again, we go way, way back. I started with her and, uh, being in, being, seeing her in that situation. I mean, I'm a, I'm a softie. I, it doesn't take much and I will cry at the drop of a hat. <laughs> right. But I was sitting there just like bawling. Cause I'm so happy for her and just the, the path, you know, when you're, when you're, in the middle of all of this, you don't really, I never thought about, Hey, I'm going to, you know, win a Grammy for this. That wasn't the reason, or she's going to be in the Kennedy center honors, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, when it just happens, you know, organically and everything, it just becomes more special. Um, and you look back on the the body of work that you've created over these years and it's, you know, it's emotional, you know, and yeah. it's, I'm so sentimental when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but Amy Grant as a human being is, I tell everyone, she's the quintessential artist. She and I, after all these years, 35 plus years, working together we have never had one crossword in go. the studio yeah ever you know and uh, just her heart and where she is in terms of her giving back to people and that's that's her biggest thing you know it's like she's doing so much for the homeless and, and uh, you know so many i can't even tell you if i called her right now and asked her to do something for me it would be you know she'd do it at the drop of a hat yeah yeah, amazing when you've when you've built up such a nice relationship with someone like that, and you know you can rely on each other. and And I guess it's nice that um, you know the more you've you've worked with someone that closely, you can start you know you can experiment a little bit more, you can hash out ideas easier. Everything comes a little bit right. more again organically, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we do have this rapport in the studio, or just in working in general. You yeah. know, it's um, I don't know that she's ever questioned anything that i've put in front of her which is so i'm not I'm thinking about amazing. it it's kind of yeah. weird yeah. it is amazing but she trusts me and i and, and i think you know and I've, I've said this many times to other artists i go if i know that i have your trust then I, i'm free to create but it's like if i'm, I'm thinking somebody's like s- sitting there grading me as i'm doing it mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me to be creative that way you know mm-hmm. and that's one of the special things about our relationship it's a i respect her i think she respects me as well yeah yeah for sure for sure um so you've also had, uh, just moving on slightly, Keith, you've also had a long-standing um, working relationship with BB and CeCe Winans, musical duo, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will, will already know, um, right. and, and have almost been kind of their third member at times over the years, is that right? I know you've, you've worked with them kind of that closely. Um, how, yes. how, did you first, how did you first meet those guys? Because obviously, uh, before, you know, I wanted to talk about um, I want to dance with somebody and, and what you've been up to with those guys recently. But yeah, how did, how did that working relationship first come about? Well, I, uh, I had a friend I was working with. I, I produced Steve Camp back in the day, who was a Christian artist on Word. Mm-hmm. And I met, I met a guy named Howard McCrary, who was a monster talent. And uh, he knew BB and he said, hey, I'm going to be with BB and CC. And I didn't really know who they were at the time, mm. but they were on ETL club. Howard was the music director. He said, "Won't you out and spend the weekend?" So I did. I went out and you know hung with him, and that's where I met BB and Cece. And I was leaving Word at the time, so I said, "BB, I'm I'm leaving Word. Would you consider doing a guest spot on on my solo album?" Because I had two solo albums on Word Records, okay. and uh, and yeah, the one's Instrumental Appetite, and the other is Kaleidoscope. And I still get requests for those. I'm trying to figure out a way if I even have to do a re-record to get those back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so we agreed to do that. And so he and I wrote a song called It's Only Natural. And this is a funny story because, um, he, he came to town. We cut the song and, and, and in the back of my mind, I'm really trying to figure a way to get him a deal. Trying to, I had Don McElroy and Greg Gidry on there as well as guest, guest artist with the same intention. But, um, I played this song for several labels in the Nashville area yeah. and nobody got it. As a matter of fact, one friend of mine, 
who I won't mention his name because I, I, I adore him, but uh, he was the head of a label at the time. And he said, bro, I, I don't hear anything. It makes me want to hear anything more. I said, okay. Well, fast forward to the next next Grammy season, B.B. wins Best R&B Vocal mm-hmm. uh, of the year for that song. And he calls me and he says, okay, I'll sign any black artist you send to me. Uh-huh. You know, so it's a pretty funny story. But that's how I met B.B. So I brought, B.B. came into town. And so I pitched that song around everywhere. And finally, Bill Hearn at Sparrow got it. And within two weeks, they were in L.A. meeting with him and signed. They, that's when they signed him. And they did the co-deal with Capitol. And, you know, I made their first four or five records or Amazing. whatever it was. But we had a, I mean, B.B. and I, um, there was something about it. It was magic, you know. And in the early days, CC wasn't a writer. So it was just pretty much B.B. and I writing all the material. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I am so proud. I mean, that's really what introduced me to Vanessa Williams. It's uh, that first and uh, the first two second, the first and second project yeah. with BB and Susie, uh Ed Eckstein at, uh, at Electra had heard the BB and Cece records and asked me to produce Vanessa Williams. And I go, yeah, I'd love to. So that's kind of how I got to New York to, to meet with her. Okay. Which is a funny story. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? How, you know, a chance meeting with, with someone can then lead you to meeting someone else. And then, you know, these opportunities arise and then everything kind of snowballs before, before you know it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They love the work that I'd done on BB and CC and, um, you know, so Ed flew me to New York and, uh, because BB and CC, uh, and, and my, my history, you know, when I was when I was actually learning my skill set in terms in terms of playing and writing and that sort of thing, I would I mean I would always be listening to R and B. That was my thing. You okay. know, my dad thought I was going to die and go to hell, but um, <laughs> you know, is when I was rebellious, and that's how I was rebellious because I, you know, I wasn't a partier. I didn't drink. I've never had. I've never been drunk. Never had one piece of wreck, wreck drugs or anything like that. So my rebellion was really listening to pop music yeah. that, in our in our house. So. Um, Anyway, so when I went to New York, I walked in the room um, with Ed and Vanessa and a couple of other A&R people there. And the first thing out of her mouth was, you're white. And so she thought I was, she thought I was a black guy, which was hilarious. The room erupted in laughter and everything. But that was funny. And then then from there, you know, I I had a great run with her as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, like I previously uh, very briefly mentioned, um, which I want to talk about now, you co-wrote with BB uh, a track called Don't Cry um, for their album mm. Heaven. Uh, Don't Cry is being used in the I Want to Dance with Somebody film, which premiered in December. Um, and I understand you were lucky enough to spend some some time with Whitney Houston and, and may have a couple of memories to share there, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the the thing with Whitney, um, I, did, I did produce a couple of things on her. One was uh, Hold Up a Light and then... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain cramp here. We did another one that was actually number one in Japan, but okay. it was on the Baby Tonight record. Yeah, but um, I have you yeah, have such great memories. I was going to say, how incredible her. to to work with someone of of that caliber as well. You know, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she's obviously she's iconic and uh, considerably one of the greatest voices of all greats, time. Yeah, but yeah. I, one memory I particularly have is like BB and I used to have this this little rapport back and forth. He would he would do these licks and I would mimic him. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, the, I would sing parts to them and that sort of thing. And, um, and sort of thing. And so we developed this little thing where he'd, he'd do a lick and I would try to mimic it, you know, parrot it back. And so we were uh, with Whitney in, in the Grammys uh, in a limo going to the Grammys one night. 
And he started doing that. And so I started parroting it. And she looked at me, she said, no, 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 Keith, don't sing, don't sing, you know? <laughs> and it was so funny because, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with him. He's quite the singer, right? And I'm not. So it, it's, it's too funny. <laughs> nice moment though, show. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. For sure, it's too fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, like again, I'm, I'm. That's one of the highlights of my career, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just to even have that as part of my repertoire, you know. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I got absolutely. to work with Whitney. Yeah, for sure. What was it like working on on the film then, Keith? And and how did the track actually come together? Obviously inspired by by such a by such an icon. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I wasn't a, actually a part of making the film other than this, uh, you know, this song yeah. uh, was one of my favorite things that I cut on CC back in the day. And I know that CC and Whitney used to perform it when they would do shows together. Mm. Um, and so when at the, at the end of the day, Clive Davis, whom I used to work for quite a bit, um, I guess he just, you know, it was, he was adamant that this song had to be the end credits. And so that's kind of how that came about. He basically put it in the film as the end credit song. Okay. And it, this version I had never heard before. Um, I, um, I I spoke to Bibi about it. He said, yes, yeah, you cut that a long time ago. And I go, I never even knew about it. So it was mm. like when I heard the film, or I saw the film for the first time. That I was a, I was crying like a baby, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was it was so emotional and, and how it played in the film and that sort of thing. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if we talk a little bit about, um, I want to pick your brains about uh, your kind of creative process in in the studio, Keith. And and I suppose mm-hmm. uh, uh, if you if if you have some kind of mantra, you know, when you're working in the studio, do you have a, a typical way of working? I would imagine it it varies depending on on the type of project you're you're working. You know, whether it's pop, whether it's um, the Christian stuff. Um, but do you have a general approach when it comes to, to producing a track? Um, you know, do you start with, uh, some chords or a melody or, you know, um, or does it, or is it more vocal led for you? Yeah. What's the kind of general process? Well, as you can imagine, uh, with technology, everything's changed. Um, and my process has changed. I, I, I try to keep up with everything i mean i still have the i have the latest software and plugins and all that good stuff Mm. but back in the day when i first started it was a dx7 then you finally get to a synclavier and a 3348 sony machine and then like i was the first guy in nashville to have a 3348 which is the first digital tape machine um and so you know when i would write back in the day i would it would pretty much piano or synth and write on that and then i would program the drums and then you know, in the last 10 years, uh, a thing called drag and drop started happening. Mm. And that's, you have, you know, a four bar loop or you have a two bar loop or even just single sounds in in general. And you drag those to your timeline. Mm. I've been on logic when it was before it was Apple. As a matter of fact, that was, uh, it was eMagic back in the day and I was one of their test sites in Nashville. And so when Apple bought, logic i became one of their guys and so i sat with them and we discussed how it could be better and all that stuff all mm. that to say is i've been on logic so long that it's like i mean that's my that's my go-to Second and, nature and yeah. to watch yeah to watch that program evolve to what it is right now with especially what it's doing with audio mm. uh and i and i love it you know so that my process has changed now you have things like uh, creator tools like splice um mm. that you can actually go and and th- i mean this is 
I mean, it's great for making records, but it's also great for jump starting ideas as well. Yes. And so I, I kind of I have a few tricks that I that I do so that I don't feel like I'm going to the same well every time. You know. I'll, yeah. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll just write on bass, and that makes me think completely different. I'll write on guitar. Uh, sometimes I'll just start with a piano piece, or I may start with a beat. It's just mm. try to keep it as fresh as I can, and I'm listening. You know, that's the main thing I think is uh, for me is that I. I listen to everything that's out there. I listen every Friday. I listen to New Music Friday. I have to make sure I know what the people are listening to. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. What's your setup like now, Keith? Um, is it? Are you doing most things in the box? Um, have you got? Um, I don't know what your studio's like, uh, but have you got some? I would imagine you've got some bits of outboard knocking around that you can, you know. Pull into the chain when uh, when you need to. Um, but yeah, what's the what's what's the setup? Well, like I was going right to say, you know, my um, you know, I have a I have a, a set of Neves pre mic pre's that I use with a Sony uh, C800, okay. and that's really my chain, you know. And then everything else is pretty much in the box, unless I'm dealing with, you say, a country artist. Um, yeah, I cut I cut a record on uh, Tanya Tucker's daughter a uh, year before last, and it was completely all organic. It was in the studio with the live players, just like the old days, right? Yeah. And that I have to tell you, that was a blast, and that and I do miss that because. There's an energy and a synergy in the studio that you can't get when I'm in here by myself. Mm. You know, having input from everybody around, it's just it's just amazing. You know, so I love doing it both ways. Uh, but I do like the, I do like the live version yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it's a bit of a loaded question, and, and we've spoke about um, some some really cool moments um, of your career so far. But are there any other? Um, uh, favorite projects or memorable moments that that spring to mind? That, that you know you've worked on down the years which um which will always be kind of uh you know fond memories for you well yeah i mean you know look uh people always ask me what's your favorite song you've ever written and, and i go they're all like i mean it's like asking me what my favorite kid is. yeah you know, it's tough love, yeah yeah i love yeah i love my boys you know i they're like my heartbeat and but you know the song I guess that that touches I mean that that I think about a lot is I could fall in love with Selena you know going through that whole experience of her um you know getting killed and everything I was actually in the studio working on that song she had just the week before been in Nashville recording the vocal mm-hmm. and um and I walked out into the lobby of the studio at the time and my studio manager said Selena's dead and I went what and I honestly had a physical pain in my heart and I Went back in the studio, turned it on on the TV, and it was already on the news. And I had to leave. I, I mean, I didn't work the rest of the week. I just couldn't process that. Gosh, you know, yeah. it was like, yeah, heavy no, going. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to to you know hear the song come out, and I have. I mean, I was I already had cut another track, and she was supposed to come back the following week and record that vocal. Mm. So um, you know, it's just how all that went down was so bizarre and i think about it all the time i mean i do i every yeah. time i hear that song it's just got immediately thrown back yeah. into that yeah, i can imagine and and to, and you know to see her so vibrant and um caring and loving and and just the person that she was mm. you know it just uh, it brings tears to my eyes i'm telling you she was uh, she was there was no question about her trajectory it was like mm. she was going to be a massive mm. superstar mm. there was no doubt you know yeah absolutely tragic obviously um but you know again um incredible that you got to the chance to to meet and to work with someone I know, right? like that yeah um, i am so blessed just, yeah. i mean i was like i think about some of the 
some of the artists that I've had to be, uh, that I've gotten to be in the studio with, it's like, good Lord, I've been like, it's amazing. I can't, yeah. I can't complain. If I quit right now, I can say, I'm, you know, <laughs> my dad would be really proud of me. I can say that. Well, there we know. go. There we go. Yeah. What have you got uh, in the pipeline, Keith, for this year? Is there anything you're working on um, at the moment or that you're going to be starting work on soon that you're allowed to talk about? I understand there may be a few, uh, a few NDAs um knocking about but yeah what's uh, yeah. what are you most what are you most excited for, for for this year well i you know i've got three things that i'm working on um i'm working on uh, obviously trying to keep my eyes open on the ai front and the vr front i really am fascinated by vr and okay. ai so I've got you know my partners in my company. I built a library for Facebook, uh, or helped build a library mm. for about five years, I guess. And so if you're on Snapchat, um, uh, Instagram, or Facebook, if you need music for your video, you can go there and use it for free. And so I'm about ready to post all of that that whole library on on the DSPs. So we're looking at you know how AI could play a role in that, and you know, and just okay. we're just I, I, I'm fascinated by that. The other thing I'm working with an artist named Sydney Palmieri, who is a young pop artist out of Nashville, and uh, I think she's a great little songwriter, and I'm excited about that. But I'm also working with Engelbert Humperdinck's granddaughter, oh, okay. who is a beast. I I you know, it's I can only tell you that. Um, you know, uh, of all the artists I've worked with over my years, this one is very special and can sing. Like I'm telling you, it's it's amazing. So she's a prodigy. Her dad is a dear friend of mine, uh, Tony Tolliver. He used to be on Curb back in the day, yeah. and uh, so she got a double dose from, with Engelbert and Tony. So <laughs> I'm excited about that project. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. there's uh, lots going on at the moment. I'm uh, yeah. hopefully going to be speaking to Engelbert in um, in a few weeks' time. I think he's got a, a, a new record later this year so um fingers crossed um i'll have a little catch yeah, up well, if you need help with that let me know i mean yeah, yeah. uh like i said um uh, olivia is her name but uh, her dad is one of my dear friends so. awesome awesome yeah all right Absolutely. great yeah it sounds like uh, it sounds like there's lots going on you know fingers in in lots of pies technology and, and producing obviously and um right. and and songwriting i'm sure there's a lot a lot going on but um yeah it's been uh it's been a real pleasure to to hear about uh, your kind of musical journey so far, Keith, and um, thank you thank so much you. again for for sharing. Well, bless you, man. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Um, for the uh, for the uh, purposes of the podcast, we'll say our goodbyes now, and um, hopefully, we'll catch up very soon. Love it. Thank you so much. Take care, Keith. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.